stepping to the mic, Andre Jones, Dino Campbell. Everybody knows how we get down on this podcast. This is about recognizing great, talented people from the DMV. And today we are honored to have two great men from the DMV, Kenny Roy and Xavier Red. Welcome to Step to the Mic, young man. How are you guys doing? Good, man. How you doing? Doing great. It's great to be here with you guys. That's right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And, you know, just to let our listeners and viewers know, you know, we usually, you know, we talk mostly sports about topical things or accolades. We're going to do all of that. But this mission today on this podcast is to enlighten, inform, and bring people together with the awareness of prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that September is, is the awareness month for prostate cancer. And as African-American men, we need to make sure we do our job to enlighten our audience about this cancer, how it can come up, how we can recognize it, how we can defeat it, and how we go on. I'm going to read a stat to you guys. I I, I researched this. One in six African-American men will develop prostate cancer, from what I researched. Hmm. 1.8 times more likely we are African-American men diagnosed and 2.2 times more likely to pass away from this disease than white men. And I think people need to understand that we are at, at a point in our lives being over 50 years old that we need to recognize how we can take and defeat this disease. So before we get into that, I want to let our, our listeners and viewers know Kenny Roy, arguably one of the best athletes to ever put on a helmet, shoulder pads, tennis shoes in the <laughs> Washington district or DMV, as we like to say. Kenny DeMatha High School, you and Dino, you know this very well. Also, before I get ahead of myself, we are all for DeMatha men, so we share that pride in the red and blue and carrying that thing on from Morgan Wooten to Bill McGregor to Elijah Brooks to Buck Offit. We talk it. Everybody knows it because that's where we live. But, Kenny, you had the opportunity, and Dino also had the opportunity. You played at a high level at DeMatha. Let our viewers and listeners know a little bit about your history uh, playing for the great Morgan Wooten at DeMatha High School? You know, I know. Hey, first of all, again, my pleasure to be joining some fine brothers, especially some fine stags, right? I mean, we, we, we live the red, white, and blue. <laughs> and my wife has always said it's a cult. It's like, no matter, no matter where, where, where you've you gotten out of DeMatha, there's always this thing, whether it's a, a new grad or someone as far back as me, because I'm older than all of y'all that um, there's that connection, it's that brotherhood. So that, that's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, essentially, I, I got to the bathroom by way of my dad. And back in the day, it was a lot when I'm playing CYO ball, then I went to a lot of different places that they wanted me to all go, St. John's or, you know, Silwell Fred's and others. And, and um, you know, I think there was, back then, there was this, it was this groundswell of, hey, let's get out to the mouth. They're doing something positive and really, um, really great. And so uh, I came out and visited. Uh, I visited St. John's and I said, there's no way I'm going there because I saw them marching at five or six o'clock in the morning at ROTC. I said, that ain't my stick. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I then played, um, this is interesting, the way youth, youth um, the 69 youth team, youth basketball team, when they only had one, um, team at that time, not all these different teams that are going all these all over the country. And Dantley was on it, Kenny Carver's on it, Carol Holmes, and we all came to the mountain. 
And so at Damascus, hey, we just had a, just an unbelievable brotherhood. I'm, I'm taking buses from D.C. all the way out to Damascus, three buses to get there. And, you know, it never looked back. And so, you know, Morgan became, when we talk about Morgan, he became like a father figure and to, to many of us. And certainly I was doing that early group that came after James Brown and some of the other guys that were there, with, you know, the first crew that came through Damascus. So I was there from 69 to 73. So I was probably that third wave of, of, of brothers that came out to Damascus. Well, there were very few of us. There's only about 100 or something people at the university, I mean, at, at the university, at Damascus. And there's probably no more than 20 or 30 brothers out there. So it was a unique experience and one I wouldn't change for the world. And so I got a chance to play football, baseball, basketball, meet brothers from all over. And no matter where I'm at, you know, you say stag and, and it's on. So it's, it was a great experience and I never look back. Well, tell me, tell, me, tell me a little bit about your senior basketball team, and then we'll, start, we'll move forward into the, the, talking about prostate cancer. And, because it's dear to my heart, because my grandfather was diagnosed later in his life, and by that time it had been to stage three and progressed into stage four, and he uh, unfortunately passed away, bless his soul. But we'll certainly get to that. But tell me a little bit more about that, that 1972, your junior, senior year of basketball playing for DeMatha and Morgan Wooten. Well, you know, it was it was an amazing time. We had, I mean, this tells you how good we were. Kenny Carr, who became an All-American when he went, he got hurt his junior year, didn't really play. His And, and so at that time, we had Dantley, um, uh, Billy Langlow, Carol Holmes. We, we, had, we were basically almost literally like 70 and 0 going from our junior to our senior year. And then we were getting ready. Our season was over. And then Morgan <laughs> scheduled the Dunbar game, right? And, and people in Baltimore always still talk about it 50 years later. But that team that we had, I think they said was ranked in the top 10 of all time in terms of a basketball team. We probably would have been one or two had we not lost that game that we played St. John's in triple overtime the night before. Then we go to Baltimore at 10 o'clock in the morning and have to play Skip Wise and Larry Gibson and Ooh. that team. So it was, <laughs> it was one hell of a team that we had. And I, I still would say that it was the best team to bat the basketball team ever, but we didn't finish undefeated. And so therefore you don't have that, <laughs> you don't have that. Yeah, negative. But they still say we are, you know, the top five team of all time of all basketball teams. I'll, here's, here's an interesting point here. Our last game as seniors, we're going out to our Cumberland. We played St. Leo. They were undefeated and we were, basically undefeated in that tournament and coming in there after the um, after that Dunbar game. And we played them, and they said it was a, I mean, it was a game of all games. And let me tell you, we beat them by 50 points in the championship game. I mean, <laughs> it was our last game playing together, and it was like no mercy. We just did our thing. And, and a similar <laughs> thing happened at Jellos when we were supposed to play John Thompson's team at St. Anthony's. 5,000 people all in the stands waiting to see this in trees. And then John doesn't bring his team out to play. He had his, he had his starters come out doing warm-up. And we're already – the whole city is calling for us. We're one and two. We were one, they were two, and John was all mad because they were two. We are both undefeated at that time. And we played this game in a summer league at Jello. I'm telling you, five, ten thousand 10,000 people of the Raptors. He comes out. He pulls, has a senior team. It started Jonathan Wilson and all these guys, Cheese Holloway. And at, at, at the beginning of the game, when the game starts, he takes them all off the court, put them on the bench, and put in his JV team. 
Morgan and everyone wow. was so pissed that he says, "Okay, we are we we are not called off the dogs. We beat them 140 to 20." <laughs> That's how competitive Morgan was, too. <laughs> and, 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 and you know, Kenny, everybody knows your basketball, but you also were a high-level football player, and then you basically played football and basketball at the University of Maryland. And, you know, again, give us that time period that, you know, two-sport athletes at that level, they don't really exist anymore. So how was it playing both sports at, at that time in the ACC? Well, you know, the interesting thing about that was that I was more known for football than I was basketball at that time as well. I mean, albeit I started for three years there and, and football for three years, but I, I loved football because it was just what I enjoyed doing and making people miss and just the whole, you know, that whole competitive thing. Um, I had probably close to 300 scholarship officers for football. I uh, went down to Notre Dame. They wanted me to go there. Then I was out in Michigan. And I went to Notre Dame with Dantley. We'd go there together. They wanted me to play football and basketball. I said, Dantley, I am not going to a cold environment, nor am I going to a place where there's no gals. Because I already did four <laughs> years of the mouth with no girls. <laughs> I said, so that was, wow. like, oh, that was off the table. <laughs> wow. So, so while you're at Maryland, give us a little list of who you played with in Maryland. Yeah, well, well, here's the thing. You mentioned something at the beginning. Um, I was the first freshman in 30 years to play both varsity basketball and football at the University of Maryland. And people still talk about that as well. On that basketball team was John Lucas, Mo Howard, Lynn Elmore. I mean, we were arguably the best team in the country, but we had one other team that beat us in the championship of the ACC, and that was NC State and David Thompson. <laughs> back back in that day, and football, um, yeah, I, I, st I was starting from my sophomore year on, and I went there as a running back. And then Jerry Claiborne said, "Kenny, we need to have our best athletes on the field all the time." So he asked me when I move over to DV, and I said, "As long as I continue to run back punts and kickoffs," and I was able to do that for three years and made you know all met well all American then, as well as um got picked up by the New Orleans Saints. But on that team, we had um, I played with guys like Randy White. The master, wow. uh, Larry Dick, Bob Avellini, Lewis Carter, Walter White. We had some great teams. In fact, talking about football, we won four straight ACC championships. And literally, I think they said in our senior year, we gave up less than 50 points a game, or 50 points for the whole season. Wow. And we went to four straight bowl games, Peace Bowl, Liberty Bowl, Gator Bowl, Cotton Bowl. So hey. it was an unbelievable run that we had at Maryland during that time. And the hey, stands hey, were full to capacity every single game. Hey, hey Kenny, uh, on on that note right there was um, Steve Atkins and um, and Tim Wilson were they on your team as well? Yeah, good point. Um, Tim Wilson, his his um his dad, well, his son is Josh Wilson. Right, 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 right. And, and so um, Tim was on that team. He was a year ahead of me. Okay. He was, a, he was a tremendous player, especially at okay. fullback. And right. I mean, you get in his way, he'll knock, knock the crap out of you. And then he went down to Houston and became the fullback. Earl Campbell. Yeah. So Earl got all those yards. Um, the the other, you asked me, who was the other person you asked me about? It was, it was Jim, Steve, Steve, oh, Steve Atkins. Atkins. Steve yeah. Atkins was a man amongst boys. He was a freshman and he looked like Jim Brown because he came from Spotsylvania, country boy, never lifted a weight, but was just strong as a bull. 
and could run that ball. So when the I guess it was the Gator Bowl, we won that one. And Steve had almost like 200 yards, and he was a freshman. So he was a hell of a player. But but I tell you, our, our football teams in Maryland, we were the first team to really really implement weight training. And so no other, we were stronger than everyone else. So what Clemson's doing now, that was Maryland back from 73 to 77. We were stronger, we were more physical, mm -hmm. and we just dominated teams, especially on the defensive side of the ball. For everybody, yeah. for everybody who's joining us on the Step to the Mic podcast today, the other voice you hear is the man we affectionately call the mayor, the unofficial mayor of Washington, D.C. That's Xavier Red. And if you've been down to Cap One Arena, you've definitely seen Red. So, and Red, you know, we had to let Kenny, you know, introduce oh, no him. Doubt. But, you know, oh, no brother, we, we appreciate you coming to the show. And again, if you need anything encyclopedic about the game of sports in D.C., this is your guy right here, Xavier Red. So, Red, I, I want to jump in and talk to you about the uh, the whole thing about the cancer, prostate cancer, mm -hmm. the initiative that we're trying to start right. to help enlighten people about the disease. Okay. Bring everybody up to speed about how you first found out that you had prostate cancer and then how you decided to handle it. The situation okay. From there. It, 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 was, it was something as simple as you said, Andre, um, earlier about just going to the doctor, man, on your annual checkup. I went to the doctor, and then my PSA numbers were up. You know, as, as um, unbeknownst to a lot of brothers, you don't really have to go in and have that digital like before. It was cut and dry before. You, go, you still might have to have it, but at the same time, they go off of your PSA number, where three is the baseline. And anything above three, then they start to worry. Well, mine was at 7'7". Seven, seven, and... Yeah. And she was, and the doctor was like, well, Mr. Red, I think you need to come in for a, um, a biopsy. And I was like, man, so I got a buddy of mine who's a urologist. And he said, yeah, I think you need to go in, man, where you are with it. So I, I go in for the biopsy. And then um, two weeks later, you know, they took six snippets from the left, six snippets from the right. And... Uh, when they did that, two weeks later, she called and said, yeah, Mr. Red, you have cancer, but you're going to live. And I was like, okay, yeah, did I really want to hear that? Right. But at, at the same time, um, it kind of eased me up. But then what I did was, at that point, I went out, I started researching it. I relied on a brother like my big brother, Kenny Roy, right here. I still called him, and um, he was very helpful. And as well as I would be to any anybody else as I, I've done since. But uh, that's what it's all about, man. It's just, it's catching it early and it's treatable. But I will tell you this, Dre, on the flip side, I've had about three or four guys that I went to school with who didn't do nothing about it. And those brothers are no longer here, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean. And Xavier, I hate to cut you off, but you know, at, at, the, at the time you were diagnosed, and I think people need to understand this too, how old were you? I was, I was 50, 50. I 50 just, years old. I was about to turn 50 at, at that. It was May, May 4th, 19, two, what, 214. I think it was 214. Yeah, okay. 214. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and then, it, 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 um, and, and you know, so what she said, we don't make a hasty decision. You don't have to make a hasty decision. We want you to go in and we want you to, um, 
do some research on it, talk to your wife, blah, 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 blah. So um, I went in and did all that. And like I said, then the, the key thing is, man, you talk to people, man. Because, I mean, you like you can't talk. It's an analogy just like if you're married. You can't talk to a single dude about being married. He don't know. Right. You understand? You all, you all understand what I'm saying? Right. And, right. and, and so, um, and then also, yeah. um, when it came back cancerous, and she said, on a scale of two to, on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being the worst, I was at two. So, and it wasn't aggressive. Now, see, and, and I tell this again, Dre, when, when we go out and speak, Kenny and I sometimes, and um, we tell folks, it, 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 everybody's going to be different. Everybody's going to be different, and you, it, it's ultimately your choice that you have to make. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, and Jay, and, I, I hate to cut you off, but I wanted to no, ask this question. When you, talk, when you talk about the treatment, and she said that you're on a scale of a 2 out of 10, what is the treatment that you decided after your research I know there's different areas that you can go in this. What did you okay. choose to, to attack now, this cancer? Now, now, that's a good question. So what I want to do is, I'm going I'm 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 to go, oh, I can tell you, but I'm going to tell you about mine. Then I want you to ask Kenny, to say, because see, that we, we both had two different procedures. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We both had two different procedures. Right. Whereas I had the radiation seeds implanted. Because it really, and, and then once again, Dre, this is, this is, this is it's a personal choice. Mm -hmm. You never know. Because um, there, I mean, there's side effects to all of it, okay? So, so each and every one of your, um, of, of your uh, treatments. So I, I decided uh, to go to radiation um, where they, plant, they, they implanted radiation seeds mm -hmm. in my prostate. And then... Uh, like I had it in January of uh, 15 or January 16. I think it was, it was 16. I was, I was 15. You 15. Were 15. Okay. 16. Yeah. yeah. So January 16. And, um, I was, you know, I was up in Adam ready to go, but, uh, and cancer pretty much cancer free two months later, man. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Two months and, later. And I know Kenny, and I want to turn this over to you at this point. You also went in for an examination, found out that you had cancer. Take us through that moment and what you chose as your treatment plan. Right. No. Um, it, you know, it's it's the words that you never want to hear. Right. You have cancer, and, um, and and symptoms leading up to that were you know having to go to the restroom a lot not being able to hold down anything. So there's symptoms that start to happen. And then finally, you say to yourself, your wife says to you, a loved one needs to get this checked out. So, so I went in um, to, to have everything checked out and then found out also I had, my, well, they checked the PSA. My PSA was six to seven. So it was in the higher side. As you said, it gets past three, you need to get it checked out. Then the next stage is at the biopsy, and that's when they, they really start to take samples of different areas of your prostate. And like my surgeon said, you know, you have more cancer than what that says because it's like going into a bowl of jelly beans and only picking out the black ones. <laughs> you, right. you know? It, it, and so it's just however which ones they, they collected. 
And, and you don't know how much more until you have the surgery. And so the biopsy showed that I had you know, cancer as well. So at this point, my wife being a nurse, we started saying, okay, what do we do? Because again, those are the words you never hear because then you think death, right? Shortly is gonna follow. And, um, and I was, guys, you know, when you talk about age, you know, I'm 66 now. So I was, you know, 60, I guess, 59, 60 years old at that point. And it was, and I felt I had still a lot more life to live. And so we started looking around and said, okay, talking to the doctors here, and they gave me three options. They said um, the three were weight. The next one was seeds, you know, what, what Riz did. And another one was having surgery, and there are different types of surgery. One, cutting you open and going in and getting it. Another one was robotic. And robotic is almost like arthroscopic, like surgeries on ACLs, right? You know, back in the day, as dealing, you guys know, they cut you open and boom, and there's this big scar. Today, they can just put pin up, you know, some holes in there and, and use and, and be able to get precision to it. So we just said, okay, you know, I wasn't looking to have any more kids. <laughs> we just said, okay, which one do you think is going to be the the most optimal for me and less invasive and being back on your feet. And we, my wife being a nurse uh, and did a lot of research, we thought it was robotic for us. No, there's no one right answer for anyone. Right. Like we had one and mine's different, but we told the robotic route. And, and then it was, okay, who's the best surgeon in the world? <laughs> I mean, how does the one, you know, someone that, you know, the, you know at the clinic around the corner doing my surgery. When you're going in there robotically, because basically you go into a room, and these are like robotic arms, and and the surgeon is is being, he's able to seizure, you know, almost the precision, see exactly what's going on inside by like these joysticks. So, they, you know, so the joysticks are going in doing it because they put like four little holes in you, and they blow your stomach up and put little, four little holes that you can't even see now, and, and then they go in, and that's how they go in and, and do the surgery that they have to do. So we did, we did the robotic surgery. We, did, we found out that there was a doctor, his name was David Samadhi. He was in New York, and he had done over 10,000 robotic surgeries. And we said, that's the guy. So we reached out to him. He called us back on a weekend and said, don't worry, we'll take care of you. And we, we do everything up here at Linux Hospital in New York. So we headed up to New York. This was you know, in the snow in January 2015. And we felt really comfortable with him because he made you feel comfortable. We knew he knew what he was doing. And he done, you know, he was, a, he was a foremost surgeon in the world for this. And he was right here in Lennox Hospital. The other beautiful thing that happened was that he got us in touch with um, the Hope Lodge. The Hope Lodge is a cancer lodge up in New York. And we were able to stay there free of charge for over a week um, after the surgery, before and after. And, and so we're so indebted to them because that would have been a lot of money being able to be in New York because it, you couldn't leave for a week because he wanted to make sure that everything was fine. Absolutely. And so, so that's when we had our surgery. Um, we, he, had, he had a wing up in New York, uh, on almost like there were 20 floors, it was the 20th floor and only his patients were on that floor. So you were treated like royalty um, and, and how you felt going in. And so he made you feel incredibly well and he took care of you. And so to this day, I have just annual treatments and my PSA is zero. 
So I feel I've been cancer free for the six years, but I shared that story with you because everyone's different. You got to do your research and figure out what's best for you. And then what I loved about it, and you guys know me, um, he said to me after the surgery that I made him feel so confident about what he was doing that he went, that he had me talk to other patients who came in that were nervous. Mm-hmm. And he said, Kenny, bro, would you mind going in and talk to this one guy? And so I, and this is, I'm going in for a checkup. And he said, you mind going in? He said, I want to do, I want to do great for all of my patients, but you said, let's go. Let's, let's get this thing on. You know, and I made him feel good about, about what he was doing and, and that, all the confidence that I had in him. And then after the surgery, when I was up and walking, he asked, he asked me to go talk to another patient to just calm them down and let them know that I was just there in their place 48 hours ago, and here I am now still alive. So that, that, that's just a side story that um, it, you know, it's important that we make them feel good too, and that they want to then use us to help others. Sure, sure. And I'm, I'm glad, again, to everybody who's just listening to the Step to the Mighty podcast, Kenny Roy, Xavier Red here talking about prostate cancer. And I want to ask this question to both of you guys, and I'll start with you, Xavier. Now that you both have met it head on, conquered it, what is your mission moving forward? I know you go for your annual checkups, both of you guys, but how are you trying to help those and and, and let them know that this is something you need to take seriously, especially because, you know, colon cancer is prominent, so colonoscopies, but prostate cancers too. So I'll start with you, Xavier. What are you doing now to help those who are going through this fight or maybe don't have to go through this fight if they just get a physical? Well, um, to answer your question, Andre, basically I partnered with Kenny and another alumni, June Wood, and we, we formed this prostate cancer awareness group, which, you know, we used the math of football as a platform two years ago and last year to um, pass out information and during the month of September. And it got so good. Kenny said, man, well, let's come back and do it again. And we went back in October a couple of times. <laughs> but um, with the help of Dino, uh, I got to give thanks to him. Uh, so you asked me what I'm doing. That's it, man, advocating. And, um, you know, Dre, the, the little sidebar is when I got diagnosed, man, I asked the Lord. I said, man, where, why are you taking me through this? And basically the Spirit spoke to me and said, hey, I'm taking you through it because you know a lot of dudes. and." Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and this is something that can be shared, and a lot of people don't talk about it. Right, right, right. And, yeah. and Kenny, again, the question, mm-hmm. I know Xavier just said that you guys have become closer. Talk about the bond. Talk mm-hmm. about, you know, the brotherhood. I mean, again, like using a platform as the math of football to spread the word, to get information out there. But again, Kenny, talk about what it means to make sure that if somebody happens to get a diagnosis, it's not a death sentence, like you said, mm-hmm. and that you can fight this. But how important is it for you, a former athlete, a great athlete, to give them that fighter spirit? You know, it's the key thing to that is that it starts with the attitude, right? And, and so the more positive you are about, hey, I'm going to beat this, then that resonates throughout your whole body. Yeah. And so – We've, we've done things at the Matha. We've done things at, at Coppin State over with yeah. the boy out there at yeah. universities. Um, uh, we, um, you know, I've, um, 
my primary doctor has asked me to talk to certain patients of his that and said, Kenny, do you mind talking to them about your experience? And, and so I've met people at different places to make myself available. I have, you know, because of you know, my background and people know me and they know what I've been through, people reach out to me and ask me, Kenny, you know, do you mind having a conversation with this person or that person um, to just give them hope and to let them know it's going to be okay? Because again, those are the last words you want to hear is that I have cancer. And, and the hardest person for me to have said that to, by the way, um, when I first found out about it, was my dad. Because, this is when he was living. Because I, cause I, I knew this would, because I'd already lost my brother, Bubba, back years ago of a heart attack. And, and if I were to go before him, it, that would have crushed him. And so when I told him in the car, before I was getting ready to go to New York, I just, I, I, I wouldn't tell him for a while. And then I finally told him, I said, but dad, I'm going to be okay. I promise you, after surgery, I'm going to call you. And, and so it's, it's, it's the avenues now that we, and I'm just a side note, but these are avenues that we have now to reach out to people to encourage them that it's going to be okay. And, I, and we're living witnesses of that. As long as you have a positive attitude, you get in there and get tested, and, and you uh, continue to fight. And so that's kind of that's kind of been the, you know my my mo and I like Riz I figured Lord I mean, what is it that you have for me I mean what 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 am I what am I to do with this right and 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 again that story I told you about what happened up in New York I was only out of out of the, out of the surgery like 24, 48 hours when he had me talking to other patients and so that gave me it was that avenue to say you know what your experience. And what you've been through can help others. And it started right then, right outside at the hospital, and then it's carried on um, to here in DMV. And anyone else I meet or my doctors who ask me to go talk to people, or people just call me and say, Ken, this guy is working out, he worked out, he works out of those gym. This was last year, two years ago, he found out I had cancer. He said, Can I got can I talk to you? I said, sure. So we go outside and talk. He says, he's just been diagnosed, PSA is high, this, this, and this. And I just said, hey. It's going to be all right. Here's what here's what you need to do, and and so I think these things begin to happen. They take on a life of their own um, as we um, be, begin to continue to let people know the importance of it, and it's not the end, but but a, a new beginning. And, and you know what, Andre, um, it, it it affects us all directly or indirectly. And when I say indirectly, I mean you know you might have a family member, you might have a buddy. Mm -hmm. one of your boys, you know, and and it's good to be, you know, knowledgeable of this information because, I mean, it, it's going to affect you somewhere along the line. Right. I mean, you know, it, it gets to a point where um, it's prevalent in our, in our in African-American male community, man. I mean, and you read them stats out early. I just, I just jotted down some stuff earlier when I was getting prepared. And it said African-American men are also more than twice as likely to die from the disease. Now, you know, I got a, a very good friend of the family. And, th and this man is like 85 years old. No, 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 no. He just turned 89. I'm sorry. He just turned 89. And he has had prostate cancer for like seven years. But, you know, he had 80, it was 80, 82. They told him he probably would die of something else. 
because it was slow it was, and it wasn't aggressive. But then on the flip side, I had a cousin up in Chicago who they had to go get it with the quickness because it was real aggressive. And, you know, then, and then, when, and then you got to worry about this too is it starts spreading. And once it starts spreading, it's a wrap. Because yeah. then you can't do anything about it, right. you know. Right, right. But, and, and before we let you, you gentlemen go, and again, we do definitely appreciate your time. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that we could tell our listeners to go, to go to a website or go to some information gathering service to make sure that they stay aware of this? Because like Xavier just said, if you get it and it starts to spread, then right. it becomes more deadly. So uh, preventative measures, gentlemen, things to look for, places to go, uh, you know, direct us in that in, in that way. And I'll start with you, Kenny, and I'll end with you, Xavier. Okay. Yeah, I, I think Xavier has a lot more of the, um, the, the things that we were doing with regards to specific places that we went to. But I would say from the, from the standpoint of just symptoms, if you're finding yourself, you know, every other minute or two or what have you, and you find something having to go to the bathroom a lot. And I mean, that's, that's, that's a symptom right there that says, okay, you're not able, the prostate is not able to hold down urine and everything else. So, you know, you got to start looking at those symptoms and then those, again, those annual checkups. Unfortunately, we as black folks are very private. We don't want to tell anybody. And a lot of us don't have the healthcare to be able to go do it. And so there are um, public places that people can go to just for the screening, just as people do for COVID-19. And, yeah. and so, Red, you can probably talk about some of those okay. that we talk yeah. about that we tell people. Right. Um, we can start out here locally as, as at Howard. Uh, <coughs> it's, it's called Men Take 10. And uh, it's, a, it's a cancer program for, for men. And they have a, a, something um, directly related to uh, prostate cancer. And they give out free screenings all the time. Now, I don't know about with the COVID now, but, but, but prior to, I just started getting some information from them the other day. But then you have, the, the one, Howard is one, Dre, that I, I recommend because they're real good with it. Um, and it's a guy, I think I gave you his name, um, Clinton, Clinton Burnside. Correct. Uh, and it's at Howard University Hospital. Then you always got the Prostate Cancer Foundation they're very good if you call them and you got questions. They'll send you literature. Um, um, then you have, uh, and then there's a nonprofit organization out in Virginia. It's called zerocancer.org, and they deal with prostate cancer right out the break. And, or, or, and then if you want to, you can reach out. I don't mind. I don't think Kenny would mind if anyone wants to reach out to he and I. Right. Uh, um, you know, you can you can give we can give our numbers or you can give it to them, Andre. Well, please do. Um, I mean, share whatever you want to share with before we go. Just okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I'm just going to say the name of our group is the Prostate Cancer Awareness Group, and uh, I can be reached at uh, by via email xred at hotmail dot com. And if anyone feel, wants to call me personally and talk about, I mean, any it, it's and it's no, it's not. And I, nobody's telling your business. It's it's better you talk to somebody than not talk to somebody. Sure, sure. Okay. okay. So basically, uh, you can I can be reached at three zero one three two five seven seven five three. That's my cell, uh, Kenny. You and then I'm, I'm gonna say these the last three things I want to say. Then I'm done. 
but Dino, you alluded to something earlier when you said your grandfather had it. That's another thing. You have to know your family history mm-hmm. in right. reference to that. You have to know your family history. And in terms of your dad, any uncles, you know, your grandfather. Because, see, you know, somebody like our grandfather, maybe our dad, but back then, they weren't, they weren't in, in, in um, you know, medicine has advanced now. So it, they've advanced so far with this. Uh, and that's why I said, and knowing you had, and, and then the number one, I should have said, I should have said, go to the doctor, number one. But know your family history, number one. Go to the doctor, number two. And then three, the third thing is what Kenny and I just finished talking about this whole time you had us on was, you got to talk about it, man. And if, if you go through it, you got to help somebody else, man. Because people out there, man, I had this one guy, real quick again, I had this one guy who he didn't want to talk about. He was scared, man. And then he, somebody referred him to me. And, man, that dude wouldn't shut up when I got off the phone. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't, man. He was like, man, you don't know how much you helped me, man, blah, blah. And, and you know what? And it ain't not just just to let you know you're not in it by yourself. Right. I mean, right. and, and you're going, I mean, it's going to, it's eventually somewhere along the line, it's going to affect indirectly or directly. Again, I say that, but. And I mentioned, and I mentioned this, what happens is that people know that you don't even know that people know that they, that you had it. Right. And you mentioned someone else is, it was a guy, the guy who was taking a photographer. He was a photographer. He was at my dad's funeral. After he was taking some pictures of people and what have you, he comes up to me and says, Kenny, can I talk to you? Can I get your number? And I said, sure. And he called and said he had cancer. And he wow. said, hey, what are some things I can do? What did you do? What are some of the steps? I mean, so we did, I think at the end of the day, we have to make ourselves available to people. Right. Yes. And, 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 and so, and that's what Red and I have tried to do in the, in, in the circles that we run in. And some of the math the circles, but I've got a whole other circle over here. He's got one over there. But make ourselves available and to give people hope. And, yes. and so that's well, kind of my whole message. Is I, 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 I want to offer, obviously, um, we just got word that we're potentially going to be playing some football in February. All right. And I know that's going to be beyond prostate cancer month, obviously, but we want to get you guys out there, you know, to some, at least one of our home games. If you want to be there. So yeah, let's we can get that set up and we'll get that set up in time. And you okay. guys can come out and hand out some literature and talk to some folks, you know, prior to the game or after the game or oh, yeah. however you want to work it out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we would we we, we do we 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 we're gonna we'll 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 get together with once you know this COVID thing is uh settled a little a little bit and we'll go um we'll do football Dean on that that you told us that and Kenny we can go back to do basketball I'm yeah, sure we did basketball Mike last year a couple of things several yeah, years right so um but but uh, hey, uh, hey Dino uh, I want to thank you and um and Andre for having Kenny and I. And just to get, get get that message out there. Because, no man, like I said, you just don't never know. And I was at a cookout this summer, man. And and I found out a buddy of mine who I know real well didn't even know he had. He didn't even know I had. And I was like, dang, man. man I wish I had known, man. I could have walked you through it. And, 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 and 
you know, and, and I'm, I'm going to sit here and say, there are about five or six guys that we, at least Dino, you and I, and Andre, mm-hmm. you might know. Kenny, I think these guys are a little younger. But these are guys. Everybody's younger than me. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I'm a relic. <laughs> but, but 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 these guys, um, these guys that we know, man, and and they they didn't call me, and I didn't coach them through it. I just and, and the key thing is, like I said, like Kenny said, you uh, treatment is inevitable. Is that treatment is inevitable? You got to do something because you don't want to sit back and just let it just fester. And once it starts festering. You never know what might happen, man. And they tell you that stuff up front, um, of, of which which route to go, you know. Well, here's another thing for you guys. You tell me another story here. Um, when I was up in New York, JB, he broadcast out of New York. Oh, yeah, yeah. James and, Brown. So, James yeah, Brown. James Brown. So he calls me the day before and after surgery and then comes and visits. While he was in between broadcasting, I mean, uh, again, a, another stag who yeah. was before me there, but and we knew each other over the years, and and then I connected him to Doctor Samadi for the robotic surgeon who did my thing, and and made because he has a platform that far exceeds any of us, and so mm-hmm. he started broadcasting some of the things that were taking place and did a special show on prostate cancer. Wow. So. Um, wow. Wow. So it, it, this is how this thing spreads from one acorn to you know, oak trees right. and mountains grow. And so, right. it, it, you know, from, me, from him to me to JB, and he's got, you know, he's got the world to, right. to li- that listens to him. And he's all on this thing, too. So, so that's another, I mean, that's another way of how things happen and spread. But also it brings us all back as stags because he checked in on me while I was up in New York when he was broadcasting for the NFL. So right. Right. Yep, you know, hey, hey, Kenny, you know, on that note, I saw him at the barbershop like the day before. Right. And I, met, and I mentioned it to him. And he mm-hmm. said, oh, man, I got give me, oh, yeah, I got, I, I got his number. I'll call him. I'll call him. I, you know, he'd be mo- moving all the time. Right. But, um, right. yeah, but, 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 you know, like I said, hey, Andre, this is just a start, man. I mean, yeah. if you ever want to yeah. have us back, we, we can have some, I can, I could probably get, uh, I know one other person who's a stag. Uh, two, matter of fact, I could probably get them on, and and we, I mean, and then you know, the thing about it is, is people just got questions, man. That's it. I don't know if we can get a forum or something like that. Sure, but sure. That that that's what it is. But but yeah. the key thing is, I appreciate you mm-hmm. with the, uh, you know, advocating it for us. No know. question, no question. And again, I know I speak on behalf of Dino, Ted Jeffries, Chris Miles, Monica McNutt. This is an opportunity for everybody to learn and grow. And, and, and we, we greatly appreciate you guys spending time with us, telling stories. And again, there might be 10, 15, 30, 100, or 2,000 people to hear this, and it'll be better for it. And that's what we greatly appreciate. And again, and I'm going to close this out, but I got to say, Kenny Roy is one of my favorite people on this earth. So uh, oh, to talk man. to Kenny and the, the mayor... You can't beat the unofficial mayor, man. You can't. I mean, this guy right here. The unofficial official mayor. The unofficial official mayor. Man. Hey, but guys, I, I love you guys both. Oh, you man, know, I love you too. Love staying great health. Yeah, and keep doing what you guys are doing. And, you know, praise God. And thank you for stepping to the mic. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having no us, brother. Thank really you. appreciate it. Anytime. Anytime. Appreciate-